This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It is a joy to have everybody listening today. Uh, today's a special day because we're remotely broadcasting, aren't we? David, we definitely haven't done this before, maybe once before. Well, we might have, when you say we, you and I haven't done it, but we've done it a bunch of times, many many times every week. You do it a lot on America's Web Radio, and again, I would emphasize to our listeners, there's lots of cool content on America's Web Radio. None of it's as good as mine, but it's really good content. So maybe you (laughs) want to listen to it and and chalk up your conservative credentials a little bit. Um, Now, David, there has, we're actually remote, I'm remote broadcasting from uh, beautiful Park City, Utah. I'm attending some meetings today, and... uh, didn't want to let this chance go by where we didn't talk about the biggest immigration news. Well, there's four or five different stories, but some of the biggest immigration news we've had in several months, leading off, of course, with your speaker's surprise resignation from Congress. I know you were surprised by that. I was surprised by that. I, I, I must admit, yeah, I was actually uh, surprised a little bit by that. Uh, I don't know how many people were expecting it, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with I was surprised. Well, the talk in a lot, with a lot of my immigration friends is that uh, maybe Baynard's soul was just peaked just a little bit. What was left of his soul was peaked a little bit by the Pope, and he just said, you know, I can't stand the hypocrisy anymore. I can't <laughs> do this job and be a good Catholic, so I'm out of here. Well, he, uh, he certainly shed a few tears. Uh, well, you know, and nobody's surprised by that. The, man, the man's emotions are, are, are always on the surface. Uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm a guy that's also a little more emotional than others as far as public displays like that. And he clearly was feeling very spiritual. And heck, you're sitting right in front of the Pope, for goodness sakes, you're Catholic. That's a big freaking deal. And so I'm, I'm actually pretty happy for him. Um, but, you know, that, that what this puts into place is, is a lot of immigration issues. A lot of people lay squarely at the feet of John Boehner the failure of the U.S. House of Representatives in holding a vote on immigration reform a year and a half ago. After the Senate had passed a bipartisan bill, there was clearly enough votes in the House of Representatives to pass it, but it would not have passed with a majority of Republican votes. And he single-handedly said, basically, we're not going to have a vote on this issue because I can't get a majority of the majority tool. We had a number of shows talking about this. Um, and so the question now becomes, what will uh, uh, the new speaker do? Is this an opportunity for uh, Boehner to, uh, in his closing month as Speaker of the House, to say, hey, let's go ahead and pass immigration reform? And there's been a, a number of folks talking about that uh, on the wires out there. But I think really at the end of the day, uh, the Speaker's not going to do anything more um, Boehner is not going to do anything more on immigration reform going forward because I just don't think it's really that important to him or his district. Uh, and even though he could certainly cement a legacy among immigrants, and I think bring a lot of immigrants back to the GOP um, by having a, a vote on immigration reform, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, and so people that talk about this great opportunity to have a vote, I wouldn't hold my breath for Speaker Boehner to do anything, anything on this going forward. Uh, I think he's going to collect his gold watch and go home. Well, that, there's going to be a couple of votes. You know, they're going to vote to um, obviously keep the government running uh, uh, today or tomorrow. And uh, they're probably going to vote to uh, reauthorize the Import-Export Bank. Uh, that'll probably happen. Uh, and there'll be a couple other minor, small votes going forward. But at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to be anything. He's not going to use this month to fix all the errors of his speakership, which he could do. <laughs> 
not what she's not going to do. I'm not sure a month uh, is perspective. enough time. <laughs> well, I, maybe he um, looked at it like this. Uh, you know, a month's not enough time, so I just won't do anything. Well, yeah, I have all the time in the world, so I don't need to do it now. I've only got a month left, so I don't have enough time to do anything. That's, is that how that works? That, I think so. Um, now, the next speaker uh, is McCarthy. Now, McCarthy is a very different kind of representative than Boehner. Uh, Boehner was kind of an old school. He was one of the, remember the Gang of Seven from back in the early 90s? Mm-hmm. He was, he was the last remaining member of the Gang of Seven. Uh, they were the ones that uncovered the, the infamous house banking scandal, you know, where they were cashing checks at the house post office and then bouncing them all over the place. Um, and uh, he, he's kind of a loyal guy all the way through and kept the peace. The new, the new speaker looks like it's going to be McCarthy. Uh, obviously, Trey Gowdy's not going to become speaker. I know you'd love Trey Gowdy to be speaker, but that's just not going to happen um, because there's just not enough votes for, for him uh, going forward from the non-crazy part of the House GOP, and there is still a non-crazy part of the House GOP. Um, and so McCarthy, unlike Boehner, Boehner comes from an old-school Ohio district, not a lot of immigrants, um, and really just kind of old-school. McCarthy's from California. Uh, McCarthy has a lot, a lot of immigrants in this district, a lot of Latinos, uh, and there really could be um, um, an opportunity with the new speaker because he is going to be pushed big time uh, by his constituents and by the advocates given the fact that in his district, which is a lot of farming and even some uh, nearby Silicon Valley, nearby L.A., I mean, he's got all those constituents where he constantly raises money out there, and he uh, he is going to be much more strongly pressured. I think we'll actually feel the pressure more than Boehner did in the context of bringing up a vote on immigration reform. But here's the problem now. There's no vehicle. There's no longer a vehicle uh, in which uh, they can move forward on immigration reform. Uh, because there's no bills. Uh, the bills uh, that had passed the bipartisan Senate uh, were, uh, uh, were were died in the last Congress. They died in January, and nobody's brought forth any additional uh, bills at this time that could be anywhere considered near um, uh, an immigration reform type of package. So, if uh, even if McCarthy wanted uh, to bring immigration reform to fruition, he had to get it through some of the most anti-immigration leadership in the House and the Senate committees, and we're just not going to have anything that's really going to reflect uh, what we need as a country, uh, in a lot, at least from my perspective, as opposed to simply a pure enforcement bill, which will help destroy the economy in many parts of the United States uh, and also create a, probably an economic depression. Um, so in some ways, I, I hope McCarthy does nothing uh, this this session, and and... Even if the House managed to pass some sort uh, of immigration reform bill, there's no way it passes the Senate. Because the, whatever, the, whatever the House comes up with, that is going to be in many ways a very restrictive, um, important enforcement focus, build big, build giant walls, big, you know, big, big boats, uh, put drones in the air, hire 50 million Border Patrol agents, um, uh, that's just not, uh, not going to pass the Senate. So... Uh, I, I don't see immigration reform coming, uh, certainly in the next two years. I think a lot will depend on what happens in the uh, next election. I'm just going to come down to that. Uh, so that's kind of my take on the speaker thing. I know you're, you're glad Boehner's gone for other reasons. Too. Well, I, I just, 
you know, I don't want to call the guy a liar, but at the same token, he did exaggerate a few points and never, in my opinion, never got anything done. Now, he he uh, addressed that, that, well, people don't understand what all goes on here. And I'm sure that's that's true. I've never been speaker, never been in the House, so uh, I'm sure that's true. But I, I think a more for, a forceful... Uh, uh, I know your buddy uh, Newt did pretty well. He was able to uh, herd the cattle up and get them to do something, and uh, uh, you just never saw and did, and, you know, and he did Boehner that. do anything. He did that with a smaller majority than Boehner has. This is the largest House majority in, like, 70 years for the GOP. You know, uh, so let, let me ask you something, Charles. There's actually not just one GOP I, I would have rather seen Boehner get something done and either have it vetoed or voted down in the Senate than to do nothing. You know, going I mean, in, it, going it, it into the... Pass, I mean, keep in mind, they pa- Boehner passed lots of stuff that was never voted on in the Harry-Controlled Senate and really hasn't been voted on in the McConnell-controlled Senate either because McConnell doesn't like to see, for the most part, uh, votes go down. So he just doesn't bring stuff up. Uh, and that's really the problem, I think, is you have the tail continues to wag the dog in the house. Uh, you continue to have these 40 to 60 GOP reps who, who, who really refuse to compromise on any issue. Uh, for them, there is no compromise, uh, which is the hallmark of a terrible legislator. Um, and uh, if, if you think you're going to get everything you want uh, in, in, in a bill or, or to pass uh, the United States Congress, Man, you're smoking dope. That's <laughs> just my dad would say. Mm-hmm. You're smoking dope. Uh, because to get laws in the place, even if you get it on the president's desk and he vetoes it, which would be fine. I, I mean, Reagan vetoed jillions of bills, as I recall as a kid, uh, a young man. Uh, Barack doesn't, he doesn't veto anything because nothing gets to his desk and he won't sign. And I think there's just been a change dynamic in the legislature. We cannot... I think maybe judge today's 2015 speaker by the standard of, you know, Tip O'Neill, who who got tons of stuff to Reagan's desk. Reagan vetoed some stuff, he he approved some stuff, and it's just a very different Congress today than it was before. And a whole different era as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, and from an immigration perspective, never have we needed immigration reform more strongly, and really have we, never have we really been as divided uh, on uh, on the polar opposites of what are needed. Uh, there are, of course, lots of centrist Republicans and Democrats that I think if they all voted for a centrist bill, it would pass. Uh, I think there'd be folks on the far left, folks on the far right that would vote against it. Uh, but I think there's enough votes to pass it in the House. But then you get into the Senate, which, of course, has the, the, the filibuster rule, uh, which, you know, just a rule, it's not the law, it's not the Constitution. Uh, they can change it. But I think uh, leaders like McConnell are afraid of changing the filibuster rule because here's the deal. Sometimes you need it, even when your opponent uses it against you, because maybe you don't really support the bill but can't be seen voting against it, you need to vote against it and stop it from happening. Or even better, you know you're not going to be majority forever. In fact, the GOP, given the current trends, has a very small chance of retaining the control of the Senate in 2016. Uh, and if that remains the case, the, the GOP is going to need that filibuster rule again. So 
these these, these house clowns who, who really know really do not understand the Senate stuff, uh, who say just do it with the filibuster. Uh, in in a year and a half, they're going to be they would be very upset when there is no filibuster. <laughs> That's true. Um, so what are, who's you you think it's going to be McCarthy? I think it looks like it's going to be McCarthy. Uh, there's really nobody effectively running that can get his votes. McCarthy, uh, what reason why he's so strong, that's really interesting, is he recruited most of the Tea Party guys in 2010. Uh, he, at the time, I think, was the head of the National Republican Congressional Committee. And he went out and he picked guys. And so, while he is not a Tea Party guy, he clearly is much more, he's way more of a moderate than, uh, than Boehner is. Um, he uh, he has a lot of uh, of fealty from from many not all but many of these folks uh, from the 2010 area who are still in Congress, and as a result, they're probably going to support him. Now they might badmouth him in the long run uh, when they find out that he is he's no John Boehner in that regard. Um, but the the idea that and, and that liberals and a lot of immigration advocates are talking about that uh, old McCarthy, you know, he could do it with the Astor rule. No chance. That's just not going to happen. They're going to continue voting for the majority of the majority. And uh, simply not uh, not not care what happens in Congress, not care what passes. And this Congress will be like the last uh, several Congresses, which will end up doing nothing uh, on a lot of different issues, uh, including uh, uh, what I consider one of the more important issues: immigration. And I think it's important, David, because you look at what the presidential candidates are talking about. You know, Donald Trump, for example. I know I know you're a huge fan of Donald Trump. Uh, he has spent so much time talking about immigration. And so little time talking about economic policies, and now it's obvious why, because he doesn't understand economic policies or taxes. Even Jim and Jeb Bush are both clueless on this stuff. Um, so you know, that's kind of my take on, on, on the whole Boehner thing. It was a surprise, but I don't think it has any, unlike a lot of advocates, I don't think it has any impact uh, on, on Congress going forward. I don't think we're really going to see um, any, any change on immigration reform or really, for the most part, any change in other issues that are brought up for a vote. Uh, he is, uh, he's no John Boehner, and that may be a bad thing for the GOP. Uh, now, that said, my bigger concern, of course, is that my representative, Tom Price, is running for majority leader, and we've talked on the show many times, but I don't think Tom Price is a good legislator, and I think he's only for himself, and really doesn't care about the constituents in his district. Um, and uh, giving him more power is, uh, is something that... Uh, Makes me want to run for Congress, I think we uh, ought to think about that while we take a break. You're listening well, to the Immigration Hour. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me on Wednesday mornings from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock when we talk about more than medicine. It's now about staying healthy, but it's about the strategy to do so. Join me on Medicine on Call. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. 
Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, which, David, I think remains probably the most listened to podcast in the known universe on immigration. You think? I, I don't know. I mean, now you're telling me that we're getting <laughs> lots of downloads, and we appreciate all our listeners. Uh, to our listeners out there, if you ever want us to talk about a topic or you want to comment, just email me at chuck at immigration.net. Uh, or you can email David at uh, david at americaswebradio.com. And uh, we, we'd love to talk to you about that. And David, I want to go back a second to Mr. McCarthy for just a second. Or soon to be future uh, McCarthy. Boehner's district was like 2% Latino. McCarthy's district is 35% Latino. This is from Bakersfield. Bakersfield. Wow. He's famous again. Um, 35% Latino. Huge agriculture area. Um but he has not, and it's getting more and more Latino, but he has consistently voted against things like the Dream Act, which is just crazy. Um, and uh, he's been protested against by folks. But I, I'm wondering, uh, you know, uh, looking, at, looking at the articles written by the activist Scott McCarthy, um, uh, he told, for example, in January 2014, McCarthy told Fox that he supported a pathway to citizenship or legalization that would allow document, undocumented immigrants to work and pay taxes. But once he was elected in June to replace Cantor, he took a different stance. And he said this, quote, I'm on record saying nothing about immigration until we secure the borders. Until you secure the borders, you cannot have the conversation on anything else. But we've talked about this, this, this word game uh, that these politicians play. You know, that's, it's really pretty and nice to say, oh, we've got to secure the borders. But nobody talks about what that really means. Um, you know, words have meaning, uh, which is what lawyers make a living doing. And so when you say close the border, what you're secure the border, what do you mean? Uh, that uh, that, that uh, the drugs don't get through in the tunnels, that people don't get smuggled into trucks, that nobody walks across the desert in the middle of nowhere. You know, if, if that's what you're talking about, then what you're saying is we will never have immigration reform. Um, and so I'd like to hold these politicians accountable in a realistic way. When you say this, now, I'm, I think we should, you think we should secure the border, right? I think we should secure the border. Well, it needs to be secure. But what does that mean? Uh, and does that mean that we have put forward the resources necessary in the judgment of law enforcement officers who are expert in it, not congressmen? law enforcement folks, we have given them the tools they need within reason to properly secure the border. Uh, and here's the big question I have. We have given the Border Patrol almost ten times the amount of money they had 20 years ago. Uh, is the border more secure today than it was 20 years ago? Absolutely. Are there fewer people coming across the border illegally than 20 years ago? Absolutely. Are there still people coming in illegally to the U.S.? Yes. Uh, but part of this is an education process. Uh, we, of course, had the surge two summers ago of the women and children coming in 
and fleeing Central America. Interestingly enough, David, as we talked about this earlier, these folks were not coming in illegally. Most of them were not being caught inside the U.S. They were walking up to a port of entry and saying, I want asylum. I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what's happening in my country. I'm afraid that, I, that I've been raped or I'm being raped. I'm afraid that my daughters will be raped and killed because of what's going on in my country. The U.S. has treaty obligations that does not treat them as illegal immigrants, but treats them as asylum seekers. And so you take them out of the equation, and there are, are relatively few people coming into the country illegally, in, in the low hundreds of thousands, which I know sounds like an immense number. But in the context of the number of people in the U.S. and the number of people coming in illegally, it's a very small number. Uh, and very few of them are Mexican. Uh, last year was the first year that we had more non-Mexicans caught coming in illegally than Mexicans. We, we call them, David, OTMs, other than Mexicans. Um, and you can look at the government statistics on OTMs, and you'll see their numbers are bigger than Mexicans. And here's the thing. You mean there's more of them coming in? No. We're talking about there are fewer Mexicans coming in uh, for various reasons, including uh, improving economy and improving government and improving opportunities uh, in their home country and the difficulty of crossing the border illegally, <clears throat> but also in the context of sheer numbers. And so while the numbers of OTMs are up a little bit, they're not up massive amounts such that we have the same amount of illegal immigration. Back in the heyday of illegal immigration, the late 90s, early 2000s, talking um, immigration, catching a million and a half people a year, catching them, huge numbers. Uh, that just doesn't happen anymore. Part of that is improved border security. There are big chunks of the border that have effective fences. There's big chunks of the border that have crappy fences. Um, there are big chunks of the border that are patrolled electronically, uh, by air, uh, by sensors, by border patrol agents, um, that are, that effectively slow down illegal immigration, not stop it. Uh, because if somebody wants to get in somewhere, they're going to get in. in, in if they're desperate enough, if you feel that it is better for you to die in the U.S. desert than you raped and murdered in your home country, I think we'd all choose the desert as an option. Um, and so that's what's happening is, again, there's refugee crises that, that push people to the U.S. Um, and the sooner we recognize that our, our mid-20th century immigration system doesn't reflect the immigration realities of the 21st century, the easier it will be to fix illegal immigration and to secure the border. And taking off on McCarthy's statement that we can do nothing, nothing until the border is secure, I mean, that's just stupid. I mean, I can't think of, maybe you can think of a better word, David, maybe it's just stupid, because if part of the illegal immigration is job-driven, why don't we, and, and there are jobs here for people who come illegally, regardless of what the federal government tries to do on E-Verify, regardless of the crack in employers, if there are jobs here for them, why not create visa options, that, which cost money, but which are easier than coming in illegally, and thus benefit both the immigrant and the U.S. economy? 
people wouldn't come here if, for the most part, now refugees come here because it's safe. But pe- most people come here either be, are either econo- economic immigrants or they're joining family already in the U.S. Our current immigration system really is hyper-focused on family. And we're going to get into that in a second. Why? Because it goes back to 65. Rather than unemployment, and yet the vast majority of undocumented immigrants are coming in as a result of employment-based uh, desires. Uh, so if we can tweak our immigration policy to more accurately reflect that economic basis, we're going to have a much more effective immigration policy and a whole lot fewer undocumented immigrants coming in. Um, maybe Mr. McCarthy might should have a sit-down. What do you think? Well, I, I think, you know, it, it's like a lot of other issues a simple solution is many times better than the complicated solution. And uh, I think that Congress gets carried away with the details when uh, a lot of the details are not necessary. And, uh, yeah, this is actually a very simple fix, and you and I have talked about what a simple fix is. You can tweak the current immigration laws in a way that I could probably write a new immigration bill in a dozen pages that would fix the vast majority of the problems within our... Now, will everybody get their grab bag of goodies? No. Um, But we don't need a big grab bag of goodies. We can tweak these laws in ways that make it much simpler to immigrate to the U.S., that more accurately reflect demand. Because we live in a demand economy, don't we? we This is capitalism, so... I think it is. We haven't gotten to socialism yet, have we? I know we're getting close, but we haven't gotten there yet. So if we have a demand-based immigration system, both from a U.S. employer-family perspective and from the applicant perspective, and we can meet that demand in a reasonable fashion, I think think we could really explode the growth of the U.S. Jeb Bush has been talking about 4% growth. We can get 4% growth. Let's fix the immigration system and we're going to grow our economy much more substantially. Now, David, one of the other pieces of big news this week is something that you may remember, but which I do not, because I was only three years old. In 1965, Congress passed uh, a massive immigration, uh, let's call it an immigration reform bill, not really necessarily an immigration reform bill, uh, but it was the Immigration Act of 1965. And what was very different about this act uh, is that prior to 1965, from the early, let's say from about the 1920s, when Congress enacted exclusionary laws to keep certain people out of the country, but also were race and national origin laws, where there were zero Africans, essentially. There were zero Asians, uh, actually. Uh, There were very few... uh, uh, South America, such Americans coming in. And so we really, it was, more than anything, it was just a Mexican, American, Northern European, or European immigration to the United States. Everybody else was essentially shut out. In 1965, uh, two senators, uh, and, and with the help uh, of the floor manager of the bill, which was Ted Kennedy, and they were both a Republican and a Democrat, uh, created uh, this law. Uh, which did away with national origins. And the, the result uh, of this national origin law 
uh, being in place is that we had a, uh, we were very much a, a white, black, very tiny percent of you know, a, a, a Latino nation. By doing away with the national origins uh, and, and thus saying, all right, uh, certain countries that were previously excluded will now be treated exactly the same as other countries which could bring in you know, almost unlimited numbers of immigrants. Um, and here's the weird thing about this act, David, is it actually caused a massive increase in illegal immigration. So the unintended consequence, and this is the same thing happened in 96 when Congress passed IRA-IRA, their desire to fix the system was short-sighted enough, because, of course, they don't talk to the experts when they do this stuff, that they created illegal immigration. Now, how did equalizing immigration from every country around the world create illegal immigration? Oh, that's easy. Why don't we? Uh, before, fi- why don't we find out when we come well, back? I was like, we should take a break before we leave people in suspense, so I can explain how the Immigration Act of 1965 caused illegal immigration. We're back in a minute on America's Way. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano. O tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611. 404-816-8611. O visítenos por el internet a www.immigration.net. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. On Medicine on Call, we talk about more than medicine. It's about how to take control of your mind, body, and spirit. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio, David. It's great to be with you remotely today from beautiful Park City, Utah. Even if uh, you had to get up before you before you normally get up, and no, yeah, you didn't get all of your beauty rest. Yeah, we, as, as, mo- as some folks know, we broadcast this show live at 10 o'clock on America's Web Radio, but the vast majority of our folks to download the podcast. Uh, and, uh, but no, it was, uh, I try not to change time zones when I travel, my body. So I actually woke up about 5 o'clock this morning. Um, uh, just, to, just to try, now coming back from, I was in Italy a couple weeks ago, which is why we didn't have the show for two weeks. And, uh, there your body clock gets all screwed up, and you wake up at 1 o'clock in the morning and go to bed at 5 p.m. Now I'm getting more adjusted, and so when I come back to the water of Atlanta, it shouldn't be too terrible waking up in the morning. Uh, but then we were talking about how that 1965 Immigration Act 
which was a bill designed to end racism in immigration law. This is the height of the civil rights movement. We're trying to do things with kind of an aspirational nature. You know, we, we shouldn't have national origin. We shouldn't discriminate against people just because of where they're from. But that bill ignored what were the economics of immigration uh, and why people immigrate. Uh, we know people immigrate for two reasons. Econo- well, three reasons. Economics, family reunification, and refugees and asylum. That's why people immigrate from their countries. Um, and this bill didn't recognize that. It just said, why, why should we allow the same number of people from, let's say, Dubai as we do from Mexico into the U.S. every year? That's crazy. Why should the same number of people coming from Burma equal the number of people coming from France or Germany, the United States? Oh, yes, it's equal, but I think, I think we both recognize being equal isn't always good. Um, and so as a result, before when Mexicans wanted to come in, they could come in. They could get immigrant visas. They could immigrate to the United States. Now, I'm not going to even address the whole issue of the Procero program and the deportation of, of a million Mexicans and U.S. citizens under Eisenhower's reign. Um, but this was designed to kind of make everybody equal. But what it did as a result is we didn't have people coming from Sri Lanka and Burma and Dubai to pick our crops. We had Mexicans coming to pick our crops. And so you created a system where these Mexicans could no longer, in a timely fashion, get a green card. Uh, they could no longer, in a timely fashion, get a visa. And so they just came illegally because the border back in the day was really... You know, Bob and Jerry say, hey, Jose, how are you doing today? Ah, go back to you. Come back tomorrow. Great to see you tomorrow. Um, and as a result, you created a massive influx of undocumented immigration because of the law. Uh, and so we celebrate uh, this week uh, the, the, the Immigration Act of 1965, 50 years later. Um, and uh, this unbiased system with an annual limit of around 20,000 visas per country, um, I mean, you can just understand, it's, it was a nightmare. A fair system is not necessarily a fair system. Uh, I have a reporter today meeting with one of my clients. He called me and said, Chuck, I want to do a story about the wait times, these wait times. Uh, do you have any clients that have been waiting for 20 years for a visa? I said, yeah. How many do you want to talk to? Because I've got tons. And so uh, this reporter will be talking to uh, one of our clients, Rodrigo. Uh, Rodrigo has been waiting uh, to immigrate through his, uh, through his parents, through his father, since uh, 1995. Uh, and his, his number finally came up. Uh, now, in 1995, uh, Rodrigo was uh, a 21-year-old single guy. Uh, and now he is a 46-year-old father of four. Uh, and you think about how your life would have been different if you had been here in the U.S. waiting for that as opposed to waiting in your home country. Um, and what are we missing out on by not having a system that recognizes the importance of a quicker immigration process as opposed to this line, which is really a lifetime for many people? Now, here's the ironic part. If uh, today in 20 15, if, I was, if, if Rodrigo's father had applied for him, Rodrigo would not immigrate for about 50 years, because the line now is about, for new people, is about 50 years long. 
it, it's it's crazy when you think about um, the system not working, and it goes back to well-intentioned legislators, well-intentioned legislators uh, who did not understand how immigration actually works, um, and uh, because of this this bill, you create then the rhetoric of the anti-immigration group, but you have the lawbreakers, the criminals, quote, illegal aliens, and the illegal evasion. And all that really is, is an economic model that has existed for a century in the United States, but made wrong and made rhetorically horrible by a well-intentioned law. Uh, And uh, it's really sad that today we as a country cannot fix what is clearly a legal problem. Uh, it's not a problem of, uh, there's not now evil people in Mexico who want to break the law. They're the same people in Mexico, the same people in Central America that were there 50 years ago. It's the law itself that made what they want to do illegal. Now, some, now they're not going to argue, well, all this immigration destroyed America. Well, I think that's I think America, you hear, you hear morons like Trump, make America great again. I think America's great. I think America's awesome. Are we the best in everything in the world? Of course not. Um, because there's different systems and different peoples and different cultures. But we have brought together that unique mixture of people uh, that makes us the envy of the world. Uh, with people literally dying to come to the United States, people literally saying, I will give up my life to come for an opportunity in this country. Uh, nobody does that, as far as I know, David, to get to Russia. Nobody is doing that to get to North Korea. I don't, the only people doing that to get to China are the North Koreans. Uh, so nobody is doing this in a way, in anywhere else in the world, other than the United States, where they see an opportunity to take their, to eat their sweat, to take their brains, to take their family, to make a better country. And uh, I think the, the diversification that was created by the 1965 Act was a great thing for America. I think it made us, it's made us a stronger country. It's made us a much more diverse country. It hasn't necessarily made us a more tolerant country. And clearly, there is a faction within the American citizenry uh, who are concerned about the fact that we're headed towards being a non-majority European country. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we're not still a great country, and I think we still are. Um, to, to celebrate and to talk about the 65 Act, you got to take into account all the negatives that came with it. Much like you look at the 1996 Act, uh, where uh, a Republican-controlled uh, House uh, and Senate uh, put on Bill Clinton's desk a bill to reform illegal immigration, which is kind of an oxymoron. And that bill helped accelerate the number of undocumented immigrants in the United States by punishing those who left after they got here. So people in the past that would normally come and go across the border when it was less secure simply stopped leaving. Uh, People that realized they would have a 10-year bar if they left the country simply stopped leaving. So you saw uh, in 1996 an undocumented immigration population of 2.5 to 3 million people within six years is 10 to 12 million people because people were still coming. The migration patterns were set. 
the economy was demanding their labor. Uh, there was relatively little enforcement interior. There was border enforcement. They were deporting and bringing people here. But there was still uh, this enforcement mechanism at the interior that wasn't working because we needed the labor, we needed to grow the economy. And now they're, they're all stuck. And now they've all been here for 20 years. Uh, they've all got kids. Uh, they're all desperate because now people are cracking down on them with the driver's license and they're putting them in jail and she's got a license. And these things that create a havoc in the communities come out of a bill that, while well-intentioned, we want to discourage illegal immigration, actually did the exact opposite and created a pattern whereby you made people stay illegally in the country that might not have stayed. You made it almost impossible to fix the problem of illegal immigration uh, by if they married citizens or had kids. They couldn't immigrate to the United States because of this law. And between the 65 Act, which creates these massive backlogs, and the 96 Act, which says you basically can't fix illegal, you can't fix the undocumented, you create a system where it's great for the demagogues in, in, in Congress, it's great for the demagogues uh, at, at uh, the anti-immigration groups that are out there, uh, it's great for those who, who, who think America's not white enough and they can pound on their undocumented immigration, but it's bad for the economy, it's bad for our society to not fix these bills. Get back to Mr. McCarthy. What's Mr. McCarthy going to do about it? My guess, nothing. Um, so uh, we are unfortunately doomed, at least for the next election. Uh, we'll see what uh, what uh, President Biden does uh, in uh, 2017. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I, I thought you would put a guarantee and your money down on the table about your girlfriend. I did. I, I, I got your candidate. I got the money on the table. Your candidate was going to win. And uh, I, I know you've been to a couple of her rallies. Um, but now I'm kind of wavering. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, I think she's probably going to be the candidate, and she'll be whoever the GOP puts up. Uh, but I'm just saying, maybe it's maybe it's President Biden, too. You never know. Well, Biden's I am convinced that the GOP is not going to win uh, if they keep the rhetoric up. Uh, Biden has been invited to the uh, the first debate, and he's not even running. So I think he's not even running. He's <laughs> Here's the thing: Bernie mania sweeps America, and yet Biden's ahead of him. Yeah, he's not even running. But she, she's um, called in the big hammer. She called in Bill. Bill, well, Bill's out there, and Bill's got the lie machine cranked up to to 100. <laughs> um, percent There's a good article about about that. Uh, the F just yesterday that I read. Uh, but, you know, Bill, you go again. I put this on my Facebook page of somebody who was talking about this. I said, look, this is the Clinton machine. These guys, these two, are the most astute politicians. I mean, I think Hillary's toned down. Bill's not toned down. Hillary's toned down. Uh, but they are going to be super focused. They're like lasers. They will come after people on stuff. And if the GOP keeps farting around with these these crazy extremist candidates who really have no clue about public policy and no way to reach the middle of America is zero chance of winning the next election. Now, you and I don't know David. Donald Trump and Carson and Diorina, they're not going to be the candidates. That's just not going to happen. Really. It's just not going to happen. Let's, let's have a discussion about reality for a second. And we know the candidate's going to be a Bush or a Kasich or, or even, even the... the Teenager, Kurt, uh, uh, Rubio, um, 
<laughs> that's where they're going to be. Well, we're gonna um, we're gonna have to let people think about it because it's time to take our final break here on the immigration era in America's liberty. We'll be right back for our final segment. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on americaswebradio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, the other big piece of immigration news happened at 4.30 on Friday night, um, and it, it showed once again the monumental dysfunction of a broken immigration agency uh, and their uh, literal uh, destruction of people's lives. Um, about on September 10th, the Department of State and the Department of Homeland Security through the USCIS announced a new program where people who were waiting in the line um, could actually uh, file for their green card, if they're in the U.S. legally, a couple years before they were going to actually get their green card. And the reason was it enabled them to get work permits and enabled them to have more travel freely, and it was only for people who were legally in the U.S. and those eligible to adjust. Uh, those that were outside the U.S. had to keep waiting their place in line, which was, which was ultimately fair. If you were here legally, you had to use it anyway. This just gave you an opportunity to get to get get more travel document, more ease of access, um, and just make your life a little bit easier. On Friday, and that was, it was welcomed by big news, particularly by Indians and Chinese nationals who have very long wait times for their employment-based green cards. Uh, In many cases, it's four, five, six, seven, eight, fifteen years for some of these folks. And so the the ability to apply for a green card a couple of years before you otherwise would be able to do was a huge welcome relief because it enabled them to be more mobile. They could change jobs. They could do things that, that make their life more normal as being as opposed to being slaves in their current employer. So it was a good thing overall. On Friday night at 4.30, the USCIS announced that they were taking the dates that uh, were, and the Department of State jointly, but really driven by USCIS, they were taking the dates that had been proposed for filing and moved them up to almost current. So basically, 95% of the people that 
would have been eligible to file for their green card on October 1st were no longer eligible to do so, 95%. And the, the, the thought was there probably was going to be about fifty or 60,000 people that were going to be able to file that green card application. They were going to get the green card for a couple of years. They're going to be able to file it. They had paid lawyers to prepare applications. They had obtained medical exams that were required to do so. Uh, and some folks uh, are now going to be out five, ten thousand dollars uh, in money they spent preparing for something that the USCIS says they're now not going to do, even though they said two weeks ago they were going to. This, David, is really uh, an outrageous action by a monumentally incompetent government agency that is so poorly run, I can't even believe that somebody has a key to open the front door in the morning. Um, is that is, is that going to be a political issue at all? Can that reflect is, back on who's... It is who's... going to be. A colleague of mine, uh, Greg Siskin, from Siskin Susser in Tennessee, has now filed a lawsuit uh, today in federal district court in Washington State challenging the USCIS's taking away, re- uh, re- really retroactively in many ways, and having caused these tens of thousands of immigrants who spent tens of thousands of dollars uh, on something they're now saying they're not going to do. I mean, this is, you know, the problem is it only affects immigrants, it only affects, you know, let's say 100,000 people. So it doesn't affect Americans generally, and they really don't care. But I do believe there's going to be congressional hearings on this. There's certainly the lawsuit going forward on this. And yet it's another example of a government agency not understanding its mission, not following their own rules, and simply being completely cavalier. Now, I would attribute part of this to the Obama administration uh, because they clearly, clearly either don't understand immigration law or they don't care about the immigrants they profess to want to help. I mean, really, David, I call this a bait and switch. This is an absolute bait and switch. Others have less kind words to say about this. But I lay this squarely at the feet of the Obama administration and the people, the, the inmates that are running the asylum that is known as USCIS. Uh, it is uh, really a tragedy for these, for these, these families that have counted on this and waited for years for this and fought for this uh, to, to have this happen at the very last minute on a Friday night at 4.30 so that there'd be no news coverage about it until the following truly an immensely disappointing uh, uh, occurrence. Um, now, I don't know if the lawsuit wins. I don't know if they're going to be successful. But we really want to bring attention to this and let people know there's actually a White House petition that you can sign. It's called, uh, it, the, the hashtag is Pound uh, Visa Bulletin. And, uh, uh, and, and you can go to the White House, petition to Google Visa, sign the White House petition. If they get 100,000 signatures, they'll act on it. We'll see if they do. Uh, but I lay this squarely at the feet of the president, who in November promised all kinds of immigration things he was going to do and has delivered on only a couple of, of, couple of the dozen he proposed. Uh, and it's typical Obama. Talk and walk away. Talk and walk away. Talk and walk away. And with literally no follow-up and... Uh, no leadership on these issues. It, what a tragedy. And I feel terrible for these families that, having spent this money, are, are, may in fact end up out in the cold. 
uh, and it's just it's strong. It's just wrong. Maybe David, this is why the DHS has the lowest morale rating of any government agency, <laughs> and they all really hate their jobs that much. I I, I think that's across the board. They may be the they may hate their jobs the most, but um, from what I understand, uh, folks in the DOJ are not exactly ecstatic. Uh, people uh, only the top echelon of the EPA is ecstatic. Um, you know well, the, this, new, the new or the new the new the new surveys came out today on government morale, David. So you you should pop in and take a look at them. Is there any? Is that morale or morals? Well, well, maybe both, but certainly it's morale. And uh, I am—it's uh, just really terribly disappointing uh, that this is happening to people because it was—it's just wrong. Oh yeah, it's just wrong. And uh, but you know, you know, you mentioned something over and over again, which has been very uh, characteristic of this administration. Let's announce it when nobody's around. Let's let's yeah. Yeah. Put it on them on I mean, Friday afternoon when we don't have any reporters around. Nobody's paying attention. With, you know, we're all basking in the glow of the Pope. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you watched any of the Pope coverage this last week, but I, I think it made people feel good about themselves. I mean, he's a positive man. Uh, I think he's a terrific leader. You might not agree with some of the stuff he says, but, you know, he's just positive. And he brings a positive. Wasn't it just fun and joyful to feel that positivity from him? Um and uh, to have it devolve so quickly uh, and to have it literally yanked out from underneath you by, by the Obama administration, uh, it's just, it's, it, it's going to be a good day when we can say good riddance. Mm-hmm. And contrary to popular belief, Obama is not running for a third term. <laughs> Nor is he changing the Constitution. So uh, if any listeners are out there, Dave, don't worry about that. We're good. Okay. Unless you uh, get Biden or Hillary. Yeah, but but when President Clinton's in there, I don't know what's going to change. Although she's she's a very different leader than uh, than Obama is. And uh, uh, first of all, you know she's a she's a foreign policy hawk. Uh, in many ways, she's kind of a neocon. Um, and uh, domestically, uh, and I don't want to say this really. I, I am probably not going to vote for her. In fact, I'm not going to vote for her. But. Uh, she has at least proposed very serious and very detailed policy proposals that aren't getting terrible reviews, as opposed to the clown stuff coming out of Trump and Bush. I'm terribly disappointed in George Bush's tax plan, which Fox News itself went after him on. It said basically, just, this is just like the 1% benefit from this. Nobody else does. Oh, and, and Jeb is still hooked on his trickle-down economics, which we know does not work. We know it does not work. Um, so, uh, you know, I'll give it to Hillary. At least she's got some proposals out there. Uh, Trump still doesn't even have an issues page on his website. Uh, Carson wouldn't know an issue if it hit him upside the head. Um, and Fiorina, I, I just could never support somebody who does such a terrible job as, as a CEO, period. So, I mean, end of the day, uh, politics is happening, immigration is happening. And I'm looking forward to seeing what crazy stuff comes out of Congress and the, and the USA. Yes, over this next week, we can talk about next Tuesday. So, have you t- told your wife you all are m- moving to Cuba? Is that? <laughs> well, you know, David, I have an opportunity. It, it presents itself to go to Cuba in uh, in April, and I'm going to take it. 
um, I want to see that 57 Chevy before it stops working. <laughs> it's replaced by a 2015 Fiat. Well, are we are we going to uh, broadcast live from Cuba? We can. You uh, know. No, I'll probably not do that because I can't afford that. The uh, 35 cents a second that I'm sure the cell phones cost. <laughs> sure, you can. Just put it on the big tab. <laughs> I'll put it under my budget for America's Web Radio. How's that sound? That sounds like a deal to me. Absolutely. <laughs> Now, David, I'll be back in studio next week. I'm kind of looking forward to that. I love, I love our interaction. And uh, I'm actually attending meetings today of the Alliance of Business Immigration Lawyers, which is a group of about uh, 25 uh, U.S. and another 25 uh, global immigration lawyers who focus on the improvement of practice of law issues and in providing excellent service and quality to our to our business immigration clients around the world. And uh, hopefully I can get one of them to join me next week to talk about uh, what's going on in immigration from their perspective? Uh, these are some terrific lawyers. We've had other, we've had them on our show before. That Angela Hepperelli and Cyrus Mehta and a couple others on our show. Maybe we can get some more of them to come on and talk about uh, some of the impact of this immigration. For other listeners, if you want to be on the show or you want to address certain topics, make sure you email me at chuck at immigration.net. Then visit my website, which of course is immigration.net. And uh, our blog, David, I have a new blog up. It's only in Spanish, but we're going to be blogging every day. In October, wow. on an immigration issue, so we're kind of excited for the month. It's going to be it's going to be a good month coming forward, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what we can do to make people's lives better. You know, you know, Charles, make better choices. I, I just had the thought. I, I and I, you and I have never talked about this before, really, and and uh, uh, I don't know if you'd be interested or not, but it would be. It, I think it would be interesting to take some countries. Uh, Germany, uh, maybe the UK, uh, maybe uh, Japan, some of the other countries, and look at their immigration policies. I think that's a good point. I'll talk to some of our global members and see if they'd be willing to work with us on that. that because uh, I know Canada just changed their system. The UK system is, is crazy complicated. Uh, Australia has more New Zealanders in immigration detention than any other country. Uh, and so there's like really very interesting stuff going on out there that we probably can help our listeners understand and, and, and grow, grow, grow to appreciate our own system. Well, with that being said, we're going to have to put the plug in the jug for another immigration right, well, it's hour. It's been great to be with you today. Um, and uh, if we have any questions, uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Otherwise, next week we'll see you on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.